Well, amen. Who's ready for the Word of God? You're going to get a lot of it today. So get ready. Get a pen out, pencil, phone, whatever you need to type some stuff up. Um, I want to begin today by, by sharing something with you. If you've been coming to this church for more than about a month, you will know this is not normal what I'm about to do. But I need to address some pretty hard issues with you. Hard is easy for me. You know, I don't care about that. But some other things that are taking place in our society right now and in our world. Um, one, anybody know what's going on in this country over there called Afghanistan? Right? A um, lot of hard things happening in Afghanistan. We need to be praying for them. We have people in this church, probably in this service, who have served in Afghanistan. And there's a lot of different opinions about what's happening. Um, there's a lot of different hurt in what's happening in different ways. Okay? Haiti, another earthquake. Not only um, the hardship of having an earthquake, but there is so much political unrest that is in Haiti, it's, it's just remarkable. Anybody heard of the conflict between the Palestinians and Israel? It will always be, let me go ahead and first address this by saying, it will always be until the return of Christ. Read scripture. Okay? But it's magnified right now in a very real way. People are losing their life over the Gaza Strip and what's taking place. That, that fight will always be there, but it's something we need to be mindful as believers, as Christians, what's taking place there, it's so easy for us to forget all that is happening within the world. We can make it more local, though, as well. We can make it more local by looking at what's happening. Um, did you know that kids, anybody recognize kids are starting school back? Anybody know that? Um, there was one adult who just cheered. Um, <laughs> heard no kids hooping and hollering, but that's okay. Um, a lot of different things are happening with schools right now, mask or no mask and everything else. I'm mentioning all of this because here's my concern. I firmly believe that we have forgotten the purpose of the church. God's church is to be built on the doctrine of Jesus Christ, a theology and an understanding of who God is. It is not to be built on an ideology that allows you to live in your comfort as long as you get what you want. You tracking? God's church is intended to be based on a theology and understanding of who God is, not an ideology of we stand in a... Guys, we do not live in a Christian nation. Can we just go... The quicker we are to understand that we don't live in a Christian nation, the more we would recognize the posture that we should have stepping into a broken world. And right now, the messages that that are received even in this church, and you got to stand on this, and you got to stand on this. I stand on nothing but the Word of God. Let's be straight. That's it. And there's so much hostility 
out there about what should happen here and happen here. And I, I don't care what people say about me, honestly. It's a matter of what we're doing with school leaders and everything else. Friends, we had them here praying for them a week ago. Our posture toward them is we, we will love everyone in the name of Jesus Christ. That is our posturing. Our spiritual posturing means everything. I'm going to give you some scripture to go along with this. Ready? Here's a lot of scripture. Philippians 4. Oh, wait, I'm going to start with a different one. I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, an adversary, look it up, it means your opponent in conflict. So as soon as you said yes to Jesus Christ, you automatically said, if you don't like conflict, you're in trouble. Because when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you acknowledge that you are now going to have an opponent by the name of Satan, devil, the evil one. And now you're, he is an adversary. You're in conflict with him. And it says, listen, your adversary, your opponent, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him, stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering is, ex- is being experienced by your brothers all around the world. Philippians 1, verse 27. I'll get to Philippians 4 sometime. Hang on. Philippians 1, 27. Now, this is New Living Translation. I always, pretty much always, we, we look at the ESV, English Standard Version, also in NLT sometimes, and this is what it says. It says, above all, this means that if you claim to know Jesus Christ, Above all, this is what you should be standing on no matter what. Ready? To live your lives, to live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's Philippians 127. 2 Timothy 2, 25-26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 25 and 26. Notice what I am not doing. I've got more scripture to come. I'm not sharing an opinion. I am sharing the word of God. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant, if you're a servant of the Lord, say amen. Amen. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents, doesn't say to remain silent. We know that silence is concurring with what you're not hearing me say as a pastor of this church, is that you should all go out there, do nothing but remain mute and just love on people. No, we are to speak truth, but we are to do it with the love of Jesus Christ. Because it says very, very clearly, correcting your opponents with gentleness. That's why in Ephesians chapter 5, it says we need to be imitators of Christ. This all boils down to what it is, we speak about it a lot here at Chapel Point, what is your spiritual posturing? In every scenario, every situation, every relationship, what is your spiritual posturing? Tomorrow we have kids, and the next day we have kids going to school, and they get to go. And I know what our biggest struggle is with, with all schools right now, is that the belief that uh, school should be a place of learning math and science, not virtues and morals. But we live in a broken world. 
And so we get to represent Jesus in a broken world. That is the life of a believer according to Scripture. But what we've done, once again, is we've substituted a theology and understanding for who God is with an ideology. And so we want to fight more for the comforts that allow us to make sure that we stay safe rather than recognizing that if you're a Christian in a broken world, you're not going to remain safe. In fact, it tells us very clearly, Matthew 24, verse 9, Matthew 24, 9, it says, Then, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Our posturing, friends, please, is to be that of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, it says, turn the other cheek. Listen, people are going to take advantage of you. I tell you all the time, if you're a believer, just get used to kidney shots. People are going to hit you in the kidney, and you're going to say, well, thank you. And they're going to mock you, and they're going to make fun of you. It doesn't mean you remain silent, but you say, listen, I firmly believe that God has something greater for us than what is currently happening. How can I best pray for you, though, and support you in businesses, in schools, and everything that we're doing? Everybody wants to make it about mask and no mask. I'll look at a camera right now. You need to know very firmly. A lot of you may still be at home because you're going, right now, you need to be in a mask. I don't care if you wear a mask. I don't care if you don't wear a mask. You are welcome in this place to come worship the Father of creation, Jesus Christ, the Son. Always, you are welcome in this place. If I'm not being clear enough, let me know. The church was perfectly set up to serve the brokenness of the world by living according to a theology, not an ideology. And there's some posturing that is happening right now in which there are some, you need to go back to some others, and you need to apologize, and you need to start reflecting some Jesus. And I know that you're living in fear. That's, what it is. that's the culprit. It's this fear that's happening and your concern and your worry about what's happening in the world. But guess what? Now I'll get to Philippians chapter 4. 4 through 7. You know what Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7 lets us know? It says we don't have to be anxious anymore about anything. But with prayer and petition, we can submit and petition our God who hears us. And we can then experience and know what it is to have a peace that surpasses understanding. We don't, as believers, we don't have to be anxious and nervous. Because in the end, we know who wins. The war is not up for negotiation. The war has already been won by the blood of Jesus Christ. So why are we acting as though we don't know the answer? Anybody hearing me right now? The darker the world, the brighter the light of Jesus can shine. And right now, we are so fearful that the people of the church, I'm not simply saying chapel point of all, right? We're so fearful of what's happening. That we're attacking people that we should be loving so that they can encounter Jesus Christ. It's called spiritual posturing. And so, yeah, all of this matters. So how did we get here? 
How did we get to this place in the, the capital C church to where we're so messed up that we've lost our call and now we just want to protect and hide and be the refuge from the world, not refuge for the world? How did we get to this place? And I think it's because, one, I start looking at Trinity. That's the series we're on right now, Father, Son. And yet I believe that most churches today in the Western place in America, I, I believe we believe in Father, Son, Holy Scripture, not Holy Spirit. We believe Father, Heavenly Father, yes, we believe in the Son, we believe in Jesus Christ, prophet, priest, and king, if you were here a week ago. But then we would say, we really believe in Holy Scripture, here we are, let's look at it, but it's not that. It's Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to understand Scripture, because this also is perfect, and multiple of them, they're going to keep appearing up here. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we start looking at this and we go, this is the word of God. This is what it is. And knowing that it's perfect and we are fallen, that we are sinners, we need Holy Spirit to speak into our life so that we can understand it. It's not Father, Son, Holy Scripture. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I think we have forgotten that, which is why we now often live in fear and in retaliation toward people who don't know Jesus. Friends, we know you treat believers and non-believers differently. I'm riled up today. Anybody else pick up on that? <laughs> and we've ignored Holy Spirit. We've ignored the power of God in our life. So I want to speak about Holy Spirit today. And what it means for us. Because He is a God that we often ignore. But we also understand that our God is alive and well, and our God fights for us. I want to begin with Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. You're like, begin? I'm, just, this is, I'm getting into the sermon right now. I'll get to that in a second. Friends, if you are... Um, no, I'm just, I recognized somebody came in pretty aggressive toward me because they couldn't find anywhere to, to be in here, and, and, and that's great. I just loved them, and I asked somebody who is active here to get up and leave and to go across to the chapel. If you're willing to come to a first or second, uh, third service, not second, there's always room for you here except for 10. <laughs> um, oh, Pastor Jim Jeffrey, thank you so much, my friend. Um, he can, hear it. he can hear the crackling in the voice already. There's always room for you here, except for at 10. Um, and so if you're willing to jump into a first or a last service, um, please do so. Fair enough? I think they have 14 three-year-old classes going right now. Um, so I uh, just want to say that. Romans 8, 12 through 13. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation... So brothers, he's talking, and when you're saying brothers, he's talking to believers. So if you're a believer, say amen. amen. That means you have an obligation. You have a responsibility. It's actually, an obligation is not an option. You have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. You have an obligation that's not to the sinful nature, nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you're going to die. But you have an obligation to live by the Spirit. 
And if you do that, that's going to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Your spiritual posturing will change and you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God, say Spirit of God, are sons of God. And so we have Holy Spirit living with us. God is alive and at work. And yes, we need to believe that God in three persons and three persons being God and Holy Spirit is the person of God himself. He was with Christ throughout his ministry. The Holy Spirit, just recognize it right now, the Holy Spirit is a person. It'll be on the screen for you. The Holy Spirit is a person who is fully God, and the Holy Spirit falls on us, dwells within us, gives power to us, intercedes for us, and fights for us. Yes, the Holy Spirit is fully God. So when you look at that and go, the Holy Spirit is fully God, that means you're like, I can't understand it. Listen, if your God can be understood, that means you are equal to your God because you can understand what the Creator is doing. If you can understand God, we have other issues because you believe that you yourself are a God. But here we know the Holy Spirit is a person who is fully God, who dwells with us, falls on us, gives power to us, intercedes for us, and fights for us. And so I want to speak about these things today. I was praying, I was like, God, give me, give me a couple things to say about Holy Spirit. And he says, you can't do it in two things. And I was like, give me three things. And so now I'm going to share with you five things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Be careful what you pray for, right? So I'm going to walk through these for us today. Because we need to understand the Holy Spirit, God's in this place today. I walked in, I teared up, I said, God is here. Manifested away, I'm like, God, I know God is in this place. Anybody else feel the presence of God in this place? If not, your heart may be hard. Let that soak in. Things that Holy Spirit means for us. One, Holy Spirit falls on us. I'm going a lot of scripture. Get ready. The scripture I want to look at is Acts chapter 10. So here's what's happening. Acts chapter 10. Like it's just pick a Bible day up here. This is so good. Here's what's taking place. Acts chapter 10. So you got Peter. Peter's at Cornelius' place. This is what's taking uh, all the events that are unfolding right now is that it's going to speak about Gentiles. For, for some of you, you need to understand you had Jews and Gentiles. Jew, uh, for us, for, for the believer, Gentiles are basically non-Jews. It's an easy way to think about it, okay? I don't want to get too complicated. Gentiles are non-Jews. Jesus was a Jew. So they're going, okay, then this salvation, whatever, for the Messianic Jew. They're going, that's the Jew who believes in the Messiah, Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Then we have salvation. But what happens when all of a sudden all these other people start coming into play because they're not like us? Uh, there's a struggle with the church. We want people who are already like us to come into the church. God wants everybody to be his child. And so here's what's taking place in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It says, Peter, he's saying all these things, and it says, The Holy Spirit fell on all who were, heard the word of God. That's what happens, is that when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit falls on you. Some of you need to say, Holy Spirit, that's why we even pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me all the time. I have uttered those words tens of thousands of times over the last couple of decades. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. As I make decisions and as I determine different strategies and steps to pro proclaim Jesus Christ, as I lead my family and as I teach my children, Holy Spirit, fill me. Well, here Holy Spirit comes and it fell on all who heard the word. I'm praying Holy Spirit falls right now. 
And it says the believers from among the circumcised, circumcised means that they were Jews. Those are the people who have been circumcised. So it tells us, and the believers from among the Jews, the circumcised, who had come with Peter were amazed. They're like, what? Everybody say, what? Not like, I said, what? <laughs> but that, like, you're my favorite. Did we get that on recording? Yes, we did. <laughs> that is so good. We are so messed up. But man, we've got a great God. Amen. It says, the believers from among the circumcised who had come up with Peter, they were amazed because the gift, it's the same gift of Holy Spirit. Jesus promised, I'm going to give to you a gift of Holy Spirit. I have a gift for you. Those are his words in the Gospels. And it says, the believers from among the circumcised who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Friends, you may not like the person standing in front of you, but guess what? God loves them. So start acting the way God wants you to act. Because when the Holy Spirit falls, the Holy Spirit wants to fall on everybody who has a heart that is receptive to his presence. The Holy Spirit fell on the Jews and the Gentiles. And if you're a Christian, a believer, it is because the Holy Spirit has fallen on your life to actually let you know what that means for you. Yes, there are numerous people who show up at church because they're trying to keep their family members happy who are not necessarily Christians because they have a hard heart. Maybe that's someone here and you haven't allowed Holy Spirit to fall and to speak into your life. So the Holy Spirit falls on us. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Second thing, John 14, I want to go here very quickly. It's a great passage for us to be able to look at. Because Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fell on the different people. And he also dwelled with them. It tells us John 14, verse 16 through 18. It says, and, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The helper being Holy Spirit. Okay? To be with you forever. good news even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him listen the spirit is there but the world doesn't receive him because they don't know him they don't understand him it says you know him though for he dwells with you and will be in you john 14 16 through 18 he dwells with you so not only does he come and fall on you but he dwells in you he lives in you he resides with you he abides in you which is exactly what this goes to from John 14 to John chapter 15. is all about Jesus coming in and speaking about his desire for us to abide with him and him with us. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's not going to leave us in that good news. He's not going to abandon us. not going to forsake us. He, he dwells with us. It means you're not alone. That God will not leave you. Holy Spirit dwells with you. The very power of God himself has come to make himself at home in us. We are his temple. Individually, we are his temple collectively. I think about 1 Corinthians 3.16. Just for the sake of time, I'll just call some passages out. I think about 1 Corinthians 3.16. I also think about 1 Corinthians 6.19. 
and speaking about that we are his temple, that we get to live in a way in which he is dwelling within us. So he falls on us. He dwells in us. Also, Holy Spirit gives power to us. He gives power to us. We know that some of what was unfolding and happening is that Jesus Christ, maybe you're new to the faith or trying to explore what this really means. Jesus Christ gave his life, and after on the third day, he rose from the dead. He kicked, teeth in, he kicked death in the teeth is what we say. Amen? Isn't that good? Jesus Christ kicked death in the teeth. He had to get new ones. And then he stayed here for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. And one day he will return in all of his glory and all of his splendor. All right? Well, at the end of that 40-day period, that ascension took place. And just before he ascended, he spoke these words to the believers, to the people around him who believed in him. He called out, he says, these very things. He says, but you will receive power. I love that. Not, hey, you're going, friends, I'll come back one day. Don't worry about it. You'll be able to get through it. No, he says, guess what? You're going to receive my power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Right after that, that's what we refer to in Acts chapter 2 as Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. Radical things started to happen. Just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people started coming. I dream of the day where in West Michigan, thousands and thousands and thousands of people will recognize that they've had an allegiance to a tradition and a heritage, but they haven't had a, a bond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people will truly sacrifice to him as king, and then, then we have a whole new church, and the world will be reached. Right? And that would be a good day. But the thing is, a lot of us don't want to be a part of that. I think we're scared of the power of Holy Spirit living in our life. But Holy Spirit says he dwells in us, he falls on us, he gives us power. Do you want the power of God in your life? Do you, I mean, you can't stay the same and live by the power of God. You can't live with the same fear and the same timidity and the same weaknesses where your anger is flaring up and your fear is flaring up because you don't have the same type of anger. Yeah, the sin of the world can mess with you, but your response is to show them the same response of Christ, which is come before them and say, you know what? I love you no matter what. They brought a woman and committed adultery. He's drawing in the sand, remember? And he says, listen, I love you. Just go sin no more. So you're going to look at them and say, you know what? I've got, I, I truly believe. I love Jesus Christ. I believe God has greater plans than what we are cur currently living according to. But no matter what, I am here to pray for you and live according to Jesus Christ. Should that not be the response of a believer? I'm not saying to remain silent. Silence is concurring with. I'm not telling you to be muted. I'm telling you to share Jesus. And he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. We're not living by the power of God, Holy Spirit living within us. And so as a result, we're falling to our fear and manipulation and deception and into the lies of the evil one. And if we're going to fall this easily and being so disgruntled about other earthly things, when it comes to the spiritual battle that we are really living in, we won't even start to fight before we cowered out. 
Friends, it is impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit's power. Rhetorical, do you want to live the Christian life? Do you have his power? Can't separate the two. So Holy Spirit comes and falls on us, dwells within us, gives power to us. And we recognize that there, there are too many people trying to live for God without God. One of the greatest joys I truly have are the number of churches that we get to pour into in this place. Last couple weeks, we had, uh, th this week, we've had a couple more churches, one from uh, Detroit, Flint, a couple that are local. That's what I love so much that we're getting to pour into. Some amazing uh, men of God, pastors that are serving the church faithfully. And I love that we're becoming such good friends and we get to pray for each other. And the one thing that I'm learning and, and the, one of the frustrations that so many leaders have today is that they feel, feel like that they have to do everything. And so finally I've come to that place of I've, I've been asking pastors, I was like, man, this isn't your job, like, to rescue everything. It's in God's power that everything's rescued. Take your cape off. And sometimes we feel like we're the ones who have to make it happen. Guess what? We don't have to make anything happen. I just have to let God do his thing. That's it. And some of us feel like we have to wear this cape. We've already, we already have the superhero. His name is Jesus. We got to get this. And that's what the power of God does in our life. There's too many people trying to live for God without God because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And then we wonder why we have, to, we, we have so much depression and anxiety and worry and all these different things that are coming into play. Guys, you don't have to do everything. God's already done it in the giving of his son. We need to understand this. We don't get it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be living in the same manner in which we're living. So he falls on us, he dwells within us, he gives power to us, and another thing he does, he intercedes for us. He intercedes on our behalf is what scripture says. It says that he prays for us and he intercedes with, with groanings that are too deep for words. Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too, too deep for words. Anybody ever been in prayer where you're like, I don't even know what to pray right now? Sometimes I'm like that. I'm like, like God, I just need to sit down. I'm going to pray to God. And I'm like, wow, like my brain is just, I, believe it or not, I sometimes feel like I've got a bunch of hamsters up there. And they're just running. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And I need the Holy Spirit just to come and to know my heart and to speak for me. To intercede for me because I am a sinner who is broken. And being able to communicate with an almighty God is really hard for me at times. And so Holy Spirit has to come into my life and intercede and speak and to know who I am. I know that I can't fully grasp the fullness of who God is. And so as a result, here's an inadequate sinner who's going, Hey, God, can you do something? And I don't even fully grasp his greatness by any means whatsoever. 
one of the things, I'm, I am so grateful that God's work in me is not limited by my understanding of him. So here he is interceding on our behalf. Another thing that he does, not only does he intercede for us, but he fights for us. And I know some of you don't like this, but we are in a fight. It's not necessarily against flesh and blood. Scripture, right? Romans 8, 15 through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He fights for us. Guys, I, I know, we talked about Heavenly Father a couple weeks ago. I know that some of you had a difficult upbringing. And I know that some of you don't speak to your parents and all these different strifes that we have within families. But you do have a Heavenly Father who adores you. No matter what has happened and on a temporary basis on this earth, you need to understand God will not abandon or walk away from you. But you do need to receive Him and accept Him to allow Him to be a part of your life. And He wants to fight for you. The power of, of God, the creator, the author and the perfecter of life has stepped in and he is like, he's like, I got you. Do you live as knowing that God's got you? So then you have this courage to speak on his behalf. You have this courage to go, man, I can't believe all that's happening right now, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that every single person I encounter in the next three days knows this. No matter who they are and what they've done to me in my life or to me and my kids, I'm going to walk up to them and say, you know what? I think God has different plans for this place. I think his will is different and greater, but I love you and I want to pray for you right now. Spiritual posturing, Yes. And if you can't handle what it is to have spiritual posturing in the world on social media, I am begging you to get off of it. If you can't represent Christ in anything that you're doing, stop doing it. Because we have an obligation to be obedient, obligation, word of God. Let's go back to the scripture. We have an obligation to God to allow him to fill us, to dwell with us, to reside within us, to give us a strength and a power that we've never known so that we can stand for him because he's fighting for us. So the things in the world don't scare me because my God is greater. I already know the end. My God wins. And then we start to understand that Satan's goal, Satan's goal is to get you to be a person of no faith. Because it's in our faith that we can know his strength and his power. And so Satan, he's prowling around, right? We've already read that, 1 Peter chapter 5. And he's wanting to manipulate you and deceive you. And let you live in fear and inadequacy and in weakness rather than in his strength and his renewal and hope that is like an anchor for the soul. Hebrews chapter 6. Don't let Satan take your faith. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. 
we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have this, the full assurance of hope until the end. So I don't know if you feel beat up today or encouraged today. I don't know how I feel today, except God is good. But hear this passage, Ephesians 6. Listen, we desire each one of you, I desire that each one of you to show the same earnestness, the same passion, that's in Greek what this means, the same zeal for Jesus, and to have full assurance of hope in him until the very end, which is unwavering, unrelenting, cannot be removed by anything of this world because it's of another world. So that you won't be, it says, so that you won't be sluggish. So that you won't be held captive to fear. So that you won't give yourself to the enemy. But that you will be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God that let you know that he will not abandon. He will not walk away from you. No matter what's happening at work or schools or with neighbors or with friends or with family. It does not matter. God is here to fight for you. Do you believe God is here to fight for you? If you do, you're going to stand up straight. And you're going to walk out into the world because you know your God's got this. My God's got this. My God will fight for me. He'll fight for you. Let him. Will you stand with me for prayer? God, thank you that we can call upon your name. Thank you that you're a God who fights for us. Holy Spirit, dwell with us, reside within us, fill us, renew us. And there are so many people in this place who probably feel as though they're at a crossroads of who they are as a believer and what you're doing. But your plans are higher. We believe that your plans are greater. And we often don't live according to your plans. Help us to live according to your plans. To be imitators of Christ. That we read about in the book of Romans. We read about in Ephesians. May we imitate your grace and your love and your passion. May we speak your truth with boldness and with gentleness. In Christ's name, amen.